0: It's just right for us.
2: The Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire
3: Podcast Network.
4: Welcome, everybody, to another another edition of the AFC's Roundup Podcast. I'm your host, Bill, season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. We've got Ryan Laisel from Rock Sports Network in studio with us tonight. And we're talking about week 10 in the AFC East, and I swear to God, there might not be a sadder bunch of sacks to be had anywhere in football. We all took one right in the chops this week, and it sucks. It's a... It's a terrible place to be, but as Shaden Freud does, you all you, you want to revel in someone else's misery, even if it's only to help you forget your own. So I feel like with that, we might as well just bring in tonight's first guest, Mister Christian Simonelli, here to talk to us about the Patriots' ten to six loss to the Colts over in Germany this weekend. Christian, did you get up early for this nonsense? <laughs> Not only
3: did I get up early, but I uh, did not go to a, um, my, my daughter went to a, a nine month old daughter, went with, uh, my wife to a, a, it's called a crawling camp. And you go with a bunch of other parents to a crawling camp. And I said, no, I go, I got the game. I said, I got the game, the game, the crawling camp was at 11. And then my wife came home and she said, you should have came. Just looked right at me. As soon as you come she goes you should have came. And I go, yep. Totally <laughs> missed out. measly six points. Got up for that level of suck. Crossed the pond. Um, there's a new level of low, and, and we're in it right now. We are we are uh, way beyond the losses to the blowout losses to Dallas and the Saints. This is this is as bad as you can get right now.
4: So, if I hear if I'm hearing this correctly, you had an opportunity you you basically missed out on like a life experience because of your love for your football team, and you look back and you go never again.
3: Pretty much, yeah. Um, much like you. If it was true, I don't, did you really leave Monday, uh, excuse me, uh, the other night, uh, uh, like, you know,
4: like in the first quarter? I, we Chris, we I, left in the second quarter. Chris and I left okay. before Dalton Kincaid before scored. Half. We left before <laughs> Dalton Kincaid scored his <laughs> first quarter. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. What, no, no, there? no, no, okay. no. Because I've gotten, <laughs> see, like you, like what you're realizing right now is I've realized my life is really short. Right? I only have so much time on this earth, and if I'm going to allocate my right. time, I want to do it to things that benefit me, not things that are just here to suck all the life right out of me. And I bailed, and you didn't. You hung in the pocket and took this beating. So let's talk about it. Now, I saw a gif on Twitter that was two clowns fighting in a parking lot. Like, <laughs> and somebody was like a live look at Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi trying to be QB1 for the New England Patriots, and it was one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time.
3: I saw it too. It's very funny.
4: Do they have an answer to this problem anywhere on the roster today?
3: No, 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 not at all. Um, the guy that in Bailey Zappi that they brought in, they cut in August. And they basically essentially left the team with one starting quarterback in Max, so no. Um, Will Greer, I know nothing about him. I, I, from, <laughs> because I know nothing about
4: say, him, but what I do know is he can't possibly be this bad. <laughs>
3: No, from what I read, like people in Dallas say that he apparently is a little bit better than Billy Zappi. I don't know. I, I just, you know, at two and eight, you know, you get the you get the stuff that starts happening, like with Jack Jones getting released, which was long overdue. Um, we're getting picked up by the Raiders, of course the Raiders. I mean, I know we have a relationship with Antonio Pierce, but still, it's the Raiders. Naturally, you get a gun charge. Go to the Raiders. Um, but <laughs> he just—I <laughs> mean, <laughs> he just—it's—it's it's so bad. Like they have no answer, and um, you know, take away baby, you know, top three pick, you know, right now. So let's 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 let's, <laughs> let's keep it going.
4: The way that that game unfolded, like first of all. Like, I thought it was a okay. Three of the first drives for New England ended on a third down sack and a loss of yards. Right. Three of the first four drives just, hey, we got a pass, must have situation. Sack. <laughs> yeah. The offensive line has really just deteriorated for you guys at this point, right?
3: It really has. Um I mean you you know, you see snippets of the right side of the line with New and so this week and particularly in the running game playing well but look I'm not defending mac but everything around him is just is just awful right now and and, and it, it is it's just this it's this ball of of you know misses and drafts and misses in free agency that's all just come together in this perfect storm just to create 2 and 8 I mean, you know, what you are, this is what you are. You know, Bill Parsons said a long time ago, your record, you, you know, says we are what you are. And that's what we are. I mean, we're two and eight. And the offensive line, it, it, the problem really does start in the trenches here, in the offensive line, first and foremost. I I know the run defense played well. I, I still do not see, with the exception of Barmore, who was, who was balling out. I mean, um, there's really nobody else on that defensive line that is playing well. And Keon White here and then you see flashes. Um, but the offensive rookie. line is a He's major, a major issue. Job.
4: Like you right. can't expect yeah. a like what a second round draft pick at rookie or a late first, right? Right. Second, yeah. You can't expect him to come in and just be the difference maker. Like that's not reasonable. So right. you're looking at a line that lost. It's Judon, which was its most productive player. And Mm -hmm. beyond now, the real lack of depth there has been exposed the same way a lack of depth got exposed to wide receiver. You know, Kendrick Bourne gets shoved into the doghouse by Bill Belichick, and the next season he's forced to rely on him because he built a wide receiver room where somehow the guy you hated is your best wide receiver. And then he gets hurt and you go, ah, fuck. Well, we're right back you to know, terrible again. In fact, we're a new brand you know, of terrible.
3: You know, years ago, they were so good at always having uh, and taking a, a shot on a guy, whether it was like Chad or or Albert Haynesworth. And you could say, gee, OK, if he works, great. But if not,
4: fine. Because the, the rest of the roster was so talented, it could support that guy. And the coaching right. was so talented, it could support that guy. You're right. no longer there. Now you're a team that has six points through th- like six points through three quarters of a game. Like the offense has zero it's, flow. Like there's it, nothing it, I here. Mean,
3: if if I could have crawled to the side Billy O'Brien's body on that sideline when he was giving it to Mac when they were sitting on the bench, I mean it was just that was like the snapshot of the culmination of Patriots Nation It just. He finally blew up on him. Like, maybe he's blown up on him in practice and stuff, like, but I haven't seen it on the sideline in games. Like, you know, he's been – this was, you know, and they call him, you know, the tea kettle because that's what he – you know, years ago, he had that famous sideline blow up with Brady in a game against Washington in 2011, I think it was, and he was screaming back and forth. That's what this was like. It was, okay, kid – enough is enough. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) The guy's wide open. We drew it up. Perfect. Gusecki's wide open. Why are you throwing the ball like a shot put? Why are you throwing a ball like a shot put? Once again, off your back foot, which he's broke. Like Mac is broke. And I, me, I think, I think he's taking his last snap uh, as as, as, as a quarterback on this team. I I just don't see how you come out uh, in two weeks against the Giants with him under center. I just don't I I mean you benched your first for this organization. You benched
4: uh, your pond, first oh, yeah. round draft pick quarterback in crunch time with the yep. game still there for the taking and on the line. Once score down. Benched yep. him. That's a new low. Like if you guys were at rock bottom, it's like how the Bills just keep finding a new bottom. That's a new one. Where you go Fuck it. The game is still in reach, and we know that that guy's not going to deliver. Bring me right. Bailey nope. Zappy, and he just immediately <laughs> bring me Zappy. Bring me Zappy, <laughs> and it's like, my what have we done?
3: My brother was like, he's like, all right, Zappy time. He goes, he can do it, and I, I just turned straight at him, dead cold. It was like an episode of um, of uh, you know with, with Ray. What's, what am I thinking of? The, um, Oh, my God, I'm totally blown up. Ray Romano, what was the name of the Ray oh, Romano? Everybody, everybody loves Raymond. Yeah, everybody loves Raymond. Thank you. And I just turned to dead deadpan, and I go, he'll throw a pick. Go throw. And he threw a pick right to the guy, threw a pick, and my brother goes, wow. I go, what are you wowing? I go, do you watch this team? What are you wowing? <laughs> this is what they do.
2: There's something, there's something about... Patriots fans being giddy about Bailey Zappi that just makes me feel warm oh. inside.
4: <laughs> the ones who were like, alright, we still got a shot. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall in all the households. We got a shot to beat Gardner Minshew in they the go, Colts. Maybe Bailey Zappi's got this. The second that those words leave your lips, you're a dead man.
3: <laughs> oh, you're I a mean, dead man. And, and, and the way that Gardner Minshew was running around in that game, like I, it, I think there were a couple of plays that he had like nine seconds in the pocket and completed passes for third down so it was amazing um it, it was just maddening and you're looking and you're like wow you know you're this bad and, and and then like i'm listening to people on the radio this week and they're like well you know the defense only gave up 10 points and i'm like okay totally there was missing your the boat here um what are we doing like we're totally missing the boat did you watch the game you know gerard mayo and you can't blame him i'm like oh my god these people are absolutely out of their minds." What are you doing? Like, this whole team is one giant dumpster fire, and you're talking about the defense only giving up
4: 10 points. It's just like
2: Bills fans who don't know how to be good. It's like Patriots Patriots fans don't
4: know how to be bad. I'm I'm like, you, (laughs) Right. I'm literally right now listening to you say this. It's like that gif. You, me, Sam. I'm listening to my own (laughs) fan base going, well, the defense really did hold them there, and we should have. What are we talking about?
2: Did four turnovers and they only turned it into six points drew
3: <laughs> it is funny on on twitter though like when you see those fans and they everybody's chirping about how the defense is keeping them in these games and they are like they've got they've had the injuries and all that but it's everything else the coaching the offense the the you know the, just not being dialed in when you need to be the 12 men on the field all that stuff you know they like oh yeah, but they focusing on the defense. It is. It's maddening to me. Like I can only imagine how you guys feel. That's it's
4: maddening. The, the to dog me sipping coffee
2: like, in, inside yeah, the house fire.
4: We're just inside the house <laughs> right? fire. Everything's fine. Yeah, it right. cool. <laughs> I guess. See now, me. I'm just laying on the floor. I'm already drunk and passed out. I'm going. The house is on fire. Fine. I'm going down with the ship. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Fucking bring it down. <laughs> it just collapses. Whole thing. I don't care. You know, in some ways,
3: we're—I we're, think—we're actually very similar in that we have defensive head coaches that are really holding back the offense. I
4: think you know—I I don't want to say like it's similar, but it kind of is. It's almost like it's a theme that when you resign, look, look at the AFC East. When you resign yourself to a defensive head coach, it's really hard to be successful in the big yep. picture. I'm just—I'm sure just saying. Now, well, as we kind of wrap this up. We've talked about this all season. Just the Bill Belichick thing. Like there's at this point, this man is being embarrassed on a weekly basis. And I don't care about his legacy as much as I care about like I, I, I as an outsider, I have the ability to look at this with some clarity and go, if I'm an owner of a team that knows that most of my fan base is slowly but surely getting to the realization that the guy we gave full control to, not great. He's made to your point. It's been. It's not just one or two just things that have gone wrong. What you guys are experiencing in this now two and eight season is a culmination of all of the poor choices that were made over the course of the <laughs> last three to four seasons. It's a culmination of your idea. You went out and got Devonte Parker. First of all, you voluntarily traded for him, and then you extended him. Okay, you invested cap in that guy. Then you decided to go out and decided to bring in Kendrick Bourne, who then rubbed your coach the wrong way, and he basically minimized his ability to contribute for a long time. He drafted a quarterback in the first round and then failed to give him a real offensive coordinator who could groom and grow him. All of these decisions, all of these failures are snowballing one after the other after the other, until you're a two-win football team. It's the thing that I as a Bills fan don't want to see. I don't want to wait for my team to stink before we make a before we make a move. My question is, is there any conversation taking place within the local media, within the fan base, you know, you obviously talk to more Patriots fans than I do. Mm-hmm. Has this started to become a groundswell of we need better and it has to get better soon?
3: The, the, it really, the it's the, the prevailing wisdom is that despite the fact that how bad this this year has been and despite the fact that how bad the past three, four years have been with no playoffs, you know, no wins, um, that let him finish out the year and wipe the slate entirely clean. Don't keep any remnants of Gerard Mayo, his kids, anything. Wash it all away in the offseason. Don't do him dirty by firing him in the middle of the year. Doesn't really accomplish anything. Um, even if you stick Mayo in there, you're really not putting Mayo in a full position. If you really believe Mayo can coach, you don't need to see him coach this crap. If you really think he's the guy, which a lot of people do, then I get nothing against your rod except the fact that he's under Bill. And I don't want that. I want,
4: you want fresh... fresh. You want so, new. What you don't yeah. want is another defensive head coach. You don't no, want a forward defensive player who, to become a head coach and be another defensive guy. I
3: don't. And, 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 you know, you can bring in Ben Johnson from Detroit, who I think is going to be a head coach. I don't think he would come here for a lateral move unless you paid him a ton of money. But even then, I think that's a guy who wants to be a head coach. Um, I, that's the prevailing wisdom. Every, for everything the Bills done, the um, just you know they they mutually quote mutually him and Kraft mutually part ways at the end of the year um, and you know and, and, and as far as where he'll go I mean Gary Myers has been tweeting stuff people have been tweeting stuff you know San Diego, excuse me LA as uh, a potential landing spot Dallas as a potential landing spot there's some team out there that's gonna not really look at the last four or five years and say it's Belichick it's six rings I have a team whether it's young team, whether it's Justin All-time Herbert man, right? or whether it's yep. you know, say Dallas doesn't get over the hump and you and you got Dak, that if I put Bill in there, he can get us over the top. And then the question becomes how does he get out of the contract here? Does Robert get compensation? Do we get compensation, second round pick, whatever, just like he did years ago with the Jets. Mm-hmm. Um so that's sort of the thought and, I, and I'm on board with that like I didn't want him coming back this year I told you guys in August I wanted him gone after what he did to Mac last year with the offensive coordinators Um, you know putting Patricia and Judge in there and I thought it was time Um, but I didn't expect it to get like this like I, I, I didn't I, <laughs> I don't didn't
4: think expect anyone expected to, this no
3: one no one expected it to be this bad and, and make no mistake like this is this is awful like this is they're, they're just not good like this they're
4: just not good. <laughs> and that's it. You're settled with a not good football team and the only way out is to rebuild. But you can't rebuild when the old architect's still hanging around be, having all the control over what the what the blueprints look like. So with that in mind, I don't envy what your franchise is about to go through, but at the same time, Ryan, could we agree that sometimes it might not be the worst thing in the world?
2: Yeah, I mean it's not it's not the worst thing in the world to have a really good defense. And the number three pick in the NFL draft with a ton of quarterback talent at the top, right? Like the time yeah, to hit. If the they recent, take
4: Jaden Daniels. The, high, the, the The if Jaden Daniels is the worst you guys do, or in Marcus this draft. May, like Marcus or Drake May, Drake May, Drake yeah. Drake May what what Drake like one, right. two, three. Like you your
2: three options. Your opportunity to be good is to do what they tried to do in in Arizona, right? Yes. Was bring in a head coach, let him pick which of the new shiny quarterbacks was his going to be his quarterback. Yep. Uh, the difference was that Arizona was obviously a dysfunctional franchise. Well, they but the tra- fun thing they is that
4: you guys are going to have your pick of coaches because they're going to want that pick. They're going to want to You're want right. their guy if you have an offensive head coach. So there's a renaissance about to take place here if Kraft can pull the trigger. It's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. But unfortunately, we're gonna to have to watch you suffer through the rest of this season in order to get there. Oh, unfortunately, yeah. No, you sound really broken up about it. <laughs> You're right. Um, here's here's the world's smallest violin playing you the saddest song ever written, Christian. I, I hope you can hear it. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media, buddy?
3: You can find me at Chris with a T I A N on X. Give me a follow. I'll I'll give you a follow back. And uh, best of luck, boys, with Joe Brady
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need
4: to hire? You need Indeed. Ryan, it is fun just getting to make... Like, punching down is always fun, isn't it? It is. So, as we move forward with tonight's show, I'd be... Now, obviously, Scott Mason, play like a Jet, not here to talk to us about the New York Jets as he was on the preview show. But they did lose to the Raiders 16 to 12.
2: That was an ugly game.
4: And that's the thing. Like, they took Vegas to the wire, but ultimately, Zach Wilson's mistakes just relegate this team to a 4-5 and record. The game was ugly. I passed out on the couch trying to watch it, but just ultimately too tired to care. Just care. There's no care involved. <laughs> I was like, I know how I'll stay awake. I'll do podcast prep. Nah, that game sucked so bad I just zonked out. I looked up the ending when I woke up, and what I saw was a bad quarterback play versus bad quarterback play. It ultimately was going to come down to what team could make a splash play. That's it. And the Raiders made it. The Jets didn't. That Roberts play an interception. And it's a terrible play by the quarterback. But, Absolutely, it, doesn't, yeah. but it doesn't matter. The teams literally opened the third quarter swapping negative yardage drives. They come out of halftime. You're like, well, that was a crap half of football. If I had stayed up, do you know how furious I would be to watch both of them lose yardage and then punt? (laughs) I don't know how Jets fans do this. Like, Chris, either their livers are just stronger than mine or
2: they don't drink. You have an iron liver.
4: They don't drink. Like, I just think about, like, that game was the movie Dinner for Schmucks, except it was a football game, and I'm not sure whether the teams involved or the people who stayed up until the end are the real dummies. Like, I don't know who is the schmuck in this. I just know that the NFL was uh, Paul Rudd's character. The NFL was like, hey, I'm bringing two idiots to this party, and we're going to see which one of them can fuck this up worse. Turns out it was the New York Jets. Their offense hadn't scored. Okay, so first of all, they scored their first opening drive points. They scored their first opening drive points of the entire season.
3: It's
2: week 10. Yeah. And it was, a, and it was a field goal. And it was a field goal.
4: <laughs> they haven't scored a touchdown since the first quarter of the Giants game. Right? Like, how do you not score a touchdown like, up until halftime of that game, no touchdowns, going back to the Giants game. Yeah. What? 11 quarters of end-zoneless football? What, what are we talking about? Here? This isn't real. No. But so it shouldn't shock you, then, if we're going to have a Jets conversation real quick. According to SB Nation polling, which SB Nation still gets a lot of runs, Neither Robert Sala nor Joe Douglas have more than a 56% approval rating as head coach or GM as of today, according to the fan base. And then when they, they extrapolated it out onto, out onto Twitter, the number dropped, and it actually neither one of them passed 52%. Wow. Now, <sighs> given the state of everything beyond Aaron Rodgers, which was completely out of their control, Everything else they're experiencing now is a symptom of something. It's kind of like we just got done talking to to Christian about this idea that the problems that you're faced with are your fault. You, it, what it is, is it's a culmination of decisions you've made. The ball of wax started rolling and picking up more things and stuff started. One bad decision sticks to another one, sticks to another. And all of a sudden you've got a ball and it's rolling downhill on you really quickly. When you look at this staff, do you think it's fair to have that, poor of a view of Robert Sala and Joe Douglas.
2: I think I think it's largely because of their staunch support of Zach Wilson right like it's the not not just the fact that they continue to trot him out there to play but the fact that they're verbally supporting him and not you know saying things like he has to play better like Sal come out and said I don't think he's playing bad whether you believe that or not That's not what the Jets fan base wants to hear, right? Like you can't come out and say Zach Wilson hasn't played that bad when the team is losing football games.
4: If I hear, if I were to have heard him say that out loud to me, my immediate thing would have been, I would have gone to Joe Douglas and be like, Hey, remember the movie A clockwork orange. Can we go invest a few thousand dollars in that chair? And he goes, what? I go, no, no, that chair at the end of the movie, like when they're strapping guys down and forcing them (laughs) to watch things until like it changes their mindset. Can we just force this tape into Robert Sala's eyeballs? You don't think this is bad? And and if he still says no, then you fire him into the sun too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you jettison them both as quickly as... Like, you get rid of him the same way you're going to get rid of Zach Wilson. He can't possibly believe that.
2: Well, what but, he's but doing that's what do- Salah has been, right? He's, he's been a player-first guy.
4: He's doing the defensive coach thing who yep. doesn't really understand offense, and he's going, listen, that's my guy that's... right. We've, j- we've joked about it. I think that he speaks, and I'm starting to believe he may actually think, the way that the writers for the Fast and Furious franchise thought Vin Diesel should talk... Yeah, like this Man, is what I, this is what a tough guy would say. <laughs> if I had a tough guy, this is how I think he would talk. Like, think about how different he sounds than Sean McDermott. Right. right, the much maligned Sean McDermott. He sounds very different, and at the same time, his results couldn't be farther from. Although this season, we're only separated by one. Word.
2: Yeah, yeah.
4: But Joe Douglas is another conundrum for them because you have a GM who kind of got bullied into making a trade for a quarterback that was not advantageous for the team, right? They weren't bidding against anybody. Right. It was just the Jets. And yet that swap of a first-round pick, well, you might not believe it's important. Look at this week's Bills game. You've got Mackay Becton, who is now, they're kind of managing his knee problem. Mm-hmm. That's not great if you're going to make him a t- starting tackle. You've got Dwayne Brown, who's a ticking time bomb. You don't know when he's going to go down with injury. He's ap- apparently healthy, quote-unquote. Right. But I bet you if he has a bad day, they'll come out and go, ah, we overestimated him. He's really not. He's still rusty. Max Mitchell getting hurt. That hurts them. Yep. Big their, time. their offensive line is consistently in flux. They, they're doing their running backs a disservice. It's just a problem. And so when I see this, I can't help but think to myself, at what point do you blame the architect of all of this nonsense? All of this. This roster was built to be a winner. We talked about it during our preview show. Mm-hmm. It was built to be a winner with Aaron Rodgers. Right? Aaron Rodgers has taken rosters like this Jets roster. He's, he's built MVP seasons. He's gone to conference championship games. Unfortunately, they don't have Aaron Rodgers, which means you have nothing the way that this was constructed. Right. And so now the problem becomes, do you still trust Joe Douglas to lead that franchise? If we were in their shoes, what would your feeling be towards him?
2: Um Yeah, I mean, I think you I think from a standpoint of Joe Douglas, I think you you like some of the things that he's done. I mean, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, like those are big-time hits for a, a GM mm-hmm. in, in drafts. Um, whether he was forced into it or not, I mean, he went out and got the quarterback that was supposed to save the franchise, right?
4: And But then you also allowed your head coach, first of all, you hired Robert Sala. Mm-hmm. You not only hired Robert Sala, but you allowed him to go out and get an offensive coordinator who didn't call plays with when he was with Aaron Rodgers and then is coming off a disaster season.
2: Well, I mean I think what you what you did was you let Rob you, you let Robert Sala hire the guy that Aaron Rodgers wanted. Right? Like all of this was th- this the, the makeup of this team is what Aaron Rodgers wanted the makeup of this team to yes. be. He wanted Nate Hackett, he wanted Alan Lazard, he wanted Randall Cobb. Like this is this is what you this is similar to what the Bills had 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 uh reaped because of the power that they've allowed Josh Allen to have up until this point, right? Is he's the guy we want the guy, we're going to give the guy whatever he wants to to come and play for us. You know, yeah, I mean at a at a certain point someone's going to have to lose their job and it comes down to is it, you know, is it Douglas or is it is it Salah? Maybe it's going to be both. I don't know the answer to that question, but if I'm a if I'm the fan base I'm probably going to support the guy who got me the guy that's going to save that's supposed to save my franchise. I'm probably going to keep him over the guy that continues to go out there and support Zach Wilson. Right. Like that's 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 the guy that I probably am ready to get rid of.
4: Yeah. No. And that's fair. It's going to be interesting to see how this goes especially if they lose to the Bills, which I'm not willing to... At this point, I'm not willing to call anything a slam-dunk victory for Buffalo because I don't know what this team actually is anymore. Yeah. But you lose to them, and then what does the rest of their schedule look like? Not great. Like, if I have to come in here and I have to... <laughs> look well no, If I have to look at yeah, not great. If I look at it, it doesn't get easier for them after no. this because then it's what? The Dolphins, the Texans, who... They're a playoff team right now.
2: Mm-hmm. The Falcons. The, I mean, the, the Falcons have a decent defense, and they have running backs Falcons that can run the ball.
4: In four games, they play one, two, three current playoff teams and an, a team that's scrapping for a spot. Mm-hmm. They could get ab- absolutely eviscerated over this. Yeah, absolutely. Over the span here, they could get destroyed, and if you find yourself as a four, and we'll call it nine, football team. Yeah,
2: because you've already lost two straight, so if you lose to Buffalo, that's three straight. Yeah. And then you go, then you've got the Dolphins, that's five straight or four straight. Then you got the Falcons. Like, it's not, yeah, I mean, your schedule doesn't get better for a team that doesn't have a quarterback.
4: Yes, and that's it. They don't have a quarterback. They they don't have strong coaching to overcome the quarterback loss, and ultimately that's why they are where they are today. It's just interesting to see that this fan base, and it feels more justified the more we talk about it, them turning on these two guys. Now the question is, what will ownership do? I think a lot of it depends on how things pan out. And that brings us to the Buffalo Bills, who, unfortunately, we have to talk about here. Now, as we talk about the uh, Chris, Chris, Ryan and I were doing an interesting, you know, our rooting interest for week 11 as we try to give those every week now during this bill segment. Uh, first of all, can we all just agree that everyone should be rooting for my liver? No, yes, I always root for your liver. Like, mm-hmm. Please, God, give me strength, because (laughs) it's going to take a lot. We took a look at the New York Times uh, playoff predictor. Things aren't great, right? Like Things aren't great for Buffalo. You come in here this week with, let's say, nothing picked, nothing selected. If we clear the deck, the Bills currently, as it stands today, Hold a 22% chance to make the playoffs. Chris, is that where you thought we'd be come week 10? No. Okay. If the Bills win, that's why I love this tool. Just that alone, it's still, it's 20%. (laughs) You have to pick the rest of the games. Right because now you're farther down the rabbit hole and they're doing the math and everyone goes, well, how could it go down if you pick that one game? This week, the betting interest and the rooting interest for Buffalo, like we're going to spend the rest of the season like we spent 2017. If Sean McDermott has any magic left, now's the time. That 2017 run that we went on after that three-game losing streak where they benched Peterman and said, okay, we made a mistake. Yeah, You're going to have to find it. Because I'll tell you what happens. Bills this week beat the Jets. That number of ours only creeps up to about 23%. There are some games that are absolutely going to kind of change our fate in terms of whether or not we make the playoffs. It starts with a win by the Ravens on Thursday Night Football. You need them to force the Bengals to be a wildcard team. Yeah. Which seems counterintuitive. But you have a much better percentage going that way than you do the other way. Now, long-term, maybe that changes, right? Could like, be, yeah. You don't want the tiebreaker, but right now, from where we stand, you're rooting for the Ravens. Also, Steelers-Browns. It's interesting with the uh, injury to—who's to, uh, the molester? Alleged, before I get sued. Deshaun? Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> it's really interesting. Because you, they're not going to win many games, especially not if they're what they're not going to start. P.J. Walker.
2: Yeah, it's going to be Dorian Thompson Robinson. Yeah, the rookie. Good, awesome. So they're going to be completed fifty three percent of his passes in his first start. It's not much better than Kenny Pickett. It's not much better than Deshaun Watson. <laughs> yeah, it's than Deshaun. <laughs> Deshaun Watson
4: just throws it to Amari Cooper a lot. So, so realistically, the Bills should be rooting for the Browns. That's a, again. We have some real pipe dreams here this week, guys. If we want to keep our playoff hopes alive, it not only takes a win by us, but it also takes the Ravens. We have to root for the Browns. That's disgusting. Feels that icky. <laughs> I, I hate that. Uh You have to root for the Packers because we need we need the Chargers to be pushed farther down the AFC totem pole. And then as we kind of go down this, obviously you want to root for the Raiders. But does anybody in this room think that the Raiders? pose a real threat to the Dolphins no 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 so Dolphins win you've got that there Jets win at Bills as we go down the AFC Titans and Jaguars is really
2: really really interesting you want to root for the Titans because you own you don't have the the Jags have the head-to-head tiebreaker which means you don't want to be in any position where you're near them in the standings so you root for everyone who's playing the Jags from here on out
4: and that's it every week your playoff percentage it's a three. Po- it's a three percentage point swing, whether the Titans or Jaguars win. If all these other things have happened,
2: yeah, your rooting interest as Bills fans are. Bills Bills win out. Focus. Everyone who's playing the Bengals and everyone who's playing the uh, the everyone who's playing the Chargers and everyone who's playing the uh,
4: um the Jags. The thing that we found the most interesting, though, as we were talking about this off air, is this matchup of the Eagles and the Chiefs. If the Eagles win. Right. Like your playoff percentage hangs out at, it goes up to 20, to 22% becomes your playoff percentage, right? Vikings beat the Broncos. You need that. Now you're looking at, okay, I'm at, I'm still at about 22, 23%. Yeah. The Eagles and Chiefs are going to play. And when they do, if the Chiefs win, our playoff percentage is 27%. Yep. If the Eagles win, our playoff chances are 26%. Now, think about that for a second. Why would it be off by 1%? What is that?
2: Uh, My guess is distance between the Chiefs and everybody else.
4: Not only that, but distance between the fact that we play them both. Yeah. So this is, hey, with nothing else being decided, a team that we also have a chance to play is now going to beat a team that we could beat. Yep. In which case, if we were to beat them theoretically, well, that could be a you know common opponent thing. Even if they lose, if not, it's a it's leaving the options open. Yeah. So as like I said, as backwards as that feels, like you're rooting for the Chiefs. <laughs> and again, crazy. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is what we've done. We've done this to ourselves we've done this to ourselves as the buffalo bills in week 11 where we now are not only dependent wholly on what happens or elsewhere around the nfl we no longer control our own destiny but also you have to root for teams that make you feel gross doing it yeah that might be the most offensive thing that might be the most offensive thing about where we are now is knowing that we have no control and having to look around the league and go, you mean I have to root for Cleveland?
2: Yeah, exactly.
4: <sighs> Chris, it's going to be a hell of a time. And so as we close the program, we are unfortunately obligated to end with the team that leads the AFC East for another week. That is your Miami Dolphins. And we welcome to the program Mr. Elfartyaga. Welcome. Who represents a fan base, maybe the only one in the entire AFC East that has anything to be fucking thrilled about this week? Alf, how you doing?
1: Ah, oh, spectacular! Yeah, are you? Uh, are yeah, you? It, the <laughs> Dolphins somehow had one of the greatest weekends in in their in their history. Okay, <laughs> and they didn't play a game. That was that was one of the most glorious weekends. The only thing that went wrong was that the Steelers won. But let's face it, who the hell cares about the Steelers?
4: I'll tell you who the Bills, because we're currently behind them in the standings.
1: <laughs> oh my God! I'll cl- This is I'm too
4: fisting now, Elf. This is would you be? Do you remember? Bull-
1: do you remember like four weeks ago? Well, uh, actually, more than four weeks ago, I told you there's one dangerous spot for the the Bills <laughs> at home. I was wrong. You had you had a couple of other difficult games, but yeah, I really thought that that Broncos team,
3: <laughs>
1: you know, with the way that their defense is constituted and the way that they were going to play. I thought that there were going to be a threat. Of course, that was before the Dolphins scored seventy points on them. You know? Yeah,
4: well, it is but, evidence. There are no, there are no substitutes for good coaching in this league. That's what we're all learning. I mean, I think if anybody's taking anything away from the entire show tonight, as we talk about what's gone wrong in the AFC East for most of our teams, outside of the Dolphins, it seems to be coaching. Like this is the thing you can put as much talent as you want on a roster if you don't have the coaching most of that doesn't matter because there's very few players who can win in spite of that. They're just... Out. Now,
1: let me ask Let me ask you this. How many more calamitous events have to happen before Sean McDermott fires himself? I'll be dead by then.
4: You don't have to worry about that. I'll be, <laughs> floating, he's I'll waiting be for, floating down the seems, Niagara River. In a yeah, because it
1: seems to me like he's waiting for... You know, the 13-second fiasco cost your special teams coach his job. Then Leslie Frazier has to spend more time with his family the following year and now ken dorsey gets the axe now did ken dorsey deserve to get the axe
4: well for all of our listeners who listen to this week's recap show we did a deep dive on that exact topic so the answer is uh, to, i don't know tbd let's see because just when we think we found rock bottom elf There's still like another level. It's like, no, 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 no,
1: no. We can keep going. There's another basement to be dug. Oh, rock bottom is getting swept by the Jets. Then make no mistake. That's rock bottom. (laughs) Then make no mistake. That's rock bottom is getting swept by the Jets. What about swept by the Patriots? Well, that's worse, but that ain't happening. You
4: you lose to the exam. Let's be be a little real. But that's the thing. You don't know that. Nobody knows anything now, Elf. We're, we're through the looking glass at this point. So as we get to the Miami Dolphins, Still in control of the AFC East. And it's interesting when you look at the way your schedule lines up, because the one thing that any snarky Bills fan has had to say to anybody from the Dolphins fan base at all over the last month and a half has been the just constant, you know, hey, well, at least you guys haven't beat a team that had a winning record. Or you haven't beat a plus 500 team since blah, 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 blah. Well, the good news for Dolphins fans is you guys don't have any more. You you have like one team that has a winning record left on your schedule. Two, actually. The Cowboys and the Ravens. Everyone else is a bunch of chumps, including the Buffalo Bills as of today. So the frustrating thing about this for everybody who's cocky or every Bills fan walking around with the attitude of it's okay, because they'll figure it out. You know, they always do. What you don't understand is that you're not only no longer in control, but you have to run the table through one of the most difficult stretches of a schedule I can recall in a very, very long time. You were supposed to be using some of these games to pad your stats, to pad your record in advance of this incredibly rough stretch of football. Meanwhile, the Dolphins have kind of, they've weathered their storm, right? They've taken their bumps. They've lost the games to the Chiefs. They've lost the games to the Eagles. All of which were, you know, except for the fourth quarter of that Eagles game were close games. Now you guys are going to hit a stretch where your team is getting the healthiest it's been all season, and at the same time, you have one of the softest schedules. That has to have you feeling really comfortable about your
1: postseason odds, right? Absolutely. And on Sunday, they will field a completely healthy defense for the first time this season. And Devon Achan is coming back, although... Uh, Coach McDaniel was not revealing anything as far as how much he's going to play, but he's practicing, which means he will play on Sunday. So Devon A. Chan is back. The only injury concerns are our guard. Like uh, we lost Isaiah Wynn. Robert Hunt will not play on Sunday. Uh, Something Some are speculating that that's because they play the Jets four days later on Black Friday. So they're going to need their, pro. Uh, in my opinion, all-pro guard to deal with Quinn and Williams. So they're probably holding them out against the Raiders, but they have issues at guard. But if I told you that it's week, you know, it's week 11 and the only injury issues you really have all year are your fourth wide receiver seems to be in flux and you have an issue at guard at left guard. You would take that, you know, especially compared to last year when, you know, they were playing some games with guys off the street and one healthy cornerback. They played the playoffs with two healthy cornerbacks against the Bills. Mm-hmm. They had, they had Xavier Howard coming back from a groin injury and they had Javon Holland, who's always, always seems to be healthy. Uh, other than that, everybody else was off the street. Uh, so yeah, it's, it seems like everything's conspiring for the Dolphins. Like the script is really well written. This, year for the <laughs> this script, <laughs>
4: it is one of the greatest, like, like it's one of the most hilarious things. Like, well, it's the script, and you no, know, but it's that kind of thinking that has so many Bills fans sitting here talking about this idea that, well, it's gonna be okay. Why is it gonna be okay? Well, you know, they just figure it out. Do they? Who's they? Who's this ethereal they that you keep speaking about? I. It, it's so frustrating, Elf, to sit here today after a week like this. And to know that right now the Bills' best chance at making the playoffs at all comes through winning their division, and right now that looks like a pipe dream.
1: Like, now let I, me ask you something. Let me ask you something before the twelve man on the field penalty. You guys had a timeout? You no, You did right? No, we were all out of timeouts. Yeah, because okay, they, called, cause they called two
4: of them well before that.
1: Yeah, you were screwed because we had a we had like a post game show on OnlyFans after after the game because everybody was just reveling on this game. And people were like, Oh, I didn't see the 12. I knew it right away. Yep. Cause I'm conditioned to do it. I play, I played football. I play special teams. Uh, I was conditioned always. You look to the left and to the right of the center and you count the players. If there's, if there's an uneven amount of players and then there's one off the line of scrimmage, you have 12. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, wa- I watched this live. I'm sitting here in my, my office in my studio, which I just built, by the way, and I'm looking at the game and I'm like, they got 12 on the field. This thing's going. This this thing's gonna be kicked again, and sure enough, when when he misses it, I'm like, "That's no problem. They're gonna kick it again <laughs> because there's 12 on the field." And sure enough, the, the flag just flew. It was. I don't know how that was. Uh, who was who made the mistake? Who was on the field that shouldn't have been on the field? They, they say it
4: was Leonard Floyd. Tamar Hamlin was also out there. I mean, realistically, it should. This yeah. shouldn't, these are the things that shouldn't happen. And so now, I think what's happening is all of the all of the slander that was thrown around about the Miami Dolphins coach last year when he had his moments when there was questionable decisions that were made or what I sit here and I look at all of the the, the McDaniel conversation where everyone goes oh well, you know he's Mike McDaniel's he's this he's that he looks like a dork he's a nerd he's in over his head he's overthinking some of that might be true but also he he's winning He's winning football games, and his team, by and large, looks like they know what they're trying to accomplish. Now, do they have lapses? Sure. It happens to most football teams. At the same time, there hasn't been this precipitous drop-off in what feels like faith, whether it be in the locker room, whether it be with his coaching staff and his coordinators. You're not seeing this level of dysfunction inside their building. And... It couldn't be a starker contrast right now for as much shade as Bill's fans have wanted to throw at the Miami Dolphins ever since he was hired last year. I just, at this point, if you had to power rank in your mind as a third party, how do you rank the head coaches currently operating in the AFC East?
1: Well, look, uh, Robert Sala coaches half the team, okay? But you can make the case that Miami has a coach that coaches half the team as well. And he has a really good lieutenant who, by the way, I, I if I'm Buffalo, I'm placing a call of Frank Smith. I just am. And he's going to get all the knocks that everybody else is going to give him, which is, oh, he doesn't call the plays. Mike McDaniel calls the plays. Well, he organizes the game plan, and he's the one who practices the team all week. I've been at practice. I watched him in season. The guy coaching up the entire offense was Frank Smith, okay? Mike McDaniel just sits back and is looking into his play sheet and then calls in plays every once in a while in practice when they do their installs. I think Frank Smith is a fabulous coach, and it's just a matter of time when we lose him to, to somebody as a head coach. And he's another Shanahan guy, and those guys are hot, right? Like, those guys just mm-hmm. they come onto the scene. They do well. Kevin O'Connell, Sean McVay. You know, it's the, the list goes on and on. St- Stefanski, mm-hmm. uh, LaFleur. Like, they're all successful coaches. Everybody off of that Shanahan tree is pretty successful, so why not take another one, right? Mm-hmm. You know? But if I had to rank them all, yeah, the Bills just look kind of dysfunctional. And McDermott, I always thought that that was a bad look. Leslie Frazier is is highly respected. Was that the
4: moment? And that's what I want to see from an outsider's perspective. Was that the moment for you where you go, I've been around the NFL long enough. I've covered the NFL long enough. I've talked to people. I've seen coaches operate on the sidelines and in practice. When you see a guy who's regarded the way Leslie Frazier is, exit the building, you go, okay, (laughs) all right. Maybe you could buy Brian Dable. Maybe you could buy Heath Farwell. Deciding to am, deciding mutually agreed to part ways. Uh, I can tell you this: he was not fired. Take that for what it's worth. Uh, Rick Dennison, you you keep watching these things happen, and you go either at a certain point you're bad at evaluating the people who you have working for you, or. Like people like this don't just walk away.
1: Well, that's a fact, by the way. Because and and I could and I could give you a little insight on this when when Leslie Frazier stepped away, the Dolphins tried to hire him, even with Mike McDaniel around. They tried to hire him as a consultant for for the defense. Meaning, I guess they were going to allow him. You mean Vic Fangio? Yeah, like I guess he was going to pick the successor to Josh Boyer. Okay, you know they were going to make him a consultant on the defensive end, and then you know like he was going to consult with Mike McDaniel to get. His guy, you know, whoever was going to take over at defense coordinator, and they were denied that. So that means that he was under contract to the Buffalo Bills, which means he was not fired. OK, so this is it. So that's that. There it is.
4: How many more? Look, like when you see a guy voluntarily walk away after your boss steps on your toes. Sure. Whatever. When you see a guy like Brian Dable leave because he's getting a head coaching gig. But you can tell there's some friction there. You know they 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 won't really shake hands after a Monday Night Football game. But he makes a minute and a half to go talk to his former quarterback, and then they're hanging out together after the game. It's like you can tell that there's some bad blood there. Then you got a guy like Leslie Frazier leaves the building, and you go, "All right." Even for outsiders who don't have any loyalty to this team, like that's the one where you say, "All right, that maybe there's a problem here, right?"
1: I got the, I got the dream scenario for you guys and tell me if you would, if you would buy it. Um, personally, I do believe, man, talk to Frank Smith. I think he, he would be a fabulous coach. So it's funny that I'm actually encouraging this because I think that would actually help Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills greatly. But there's one scenario that I think is just so obvious and I, and I can't believe any, nobody's t- actually talking about it. Bill Belichick has said on more than one occasion that his dream job is the New York Giants job. He's actually said it like that's my dream job. He's not getting any younger. okay? the job is not open, but there's a way it can be open. And that's if they let Brian Dayball leave. Brian Dayball can return as the head coach to the Buffalo Bills. And Bill Belichick gets his dream job and everybody should be happy. You take it.
4: Chris, what do you think? I would sign up for that. I wouldn't be mad at it. I guess the question would just be what's happening, right? Like, what's happening if you – how did we get there, right? Like, is it because – because right now we also have a quarterback problem. Right now, say what you want about Tua, you've, and I want to get your thoughts about this. is a game manager. Tua is a system quarterback. Tua, every aspersion that can be cast against Tua has been, some of them by myself – One of the things that I don't see right now, at least with this Miami team, is that Tua isn't making the glaring like he's not making. There are times where he's making a mistake, but they've been fewer and farther between than they have been in the past. And in fact, you could say that there's a lot of games where when things break down, you can't just point at the quarterback and go, that guy fucked that up. It's his fault. He did it. That's a terrible read. That's a terrible decision, whatever the whatever the case may be. And so with that in mind, it's like you have a franchise quarterback. Your job is to your job isn't to get people fired, right? Your job isn't to create glaringly negative plays or at least be involved in them on a routine basis. When you look at what's happening with our quarterback, <laughs> you have to admit that some of that plays into the difficulties that are head coach or much maligned head coach is currently experiencing, right?
1: Absolutely. We have, we have this thing down here where, and my partner on the podcast, Chris Kaufman, has, has charted the turnovers that Tua's had as far as his interceptions. And after his interceptions, like his passer rating, just balloons up like 60 points. It's almost near perfect. Like the drive following an interception, it seems like he understood what he did, what he did wrong. And now he's going to completely correct it. I think Josh Allen needs structure. In, in his offense. And that's something that Ken Dorsey did not provide. Ryan Dayball probably did. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to start there. He needs his guy. Once you're paying a guy in excess of $50 million a year, he is the face of the franchise. Okay? You can go anywhere, in any corner of this this country, and you ask, and you say, Buffalo Bills. Two things are going to come to mind. Josh Allen, Bills Mafia. Mm-hmm. Jumping through tables might be third. Okay? Those are the three things that are gonna that are going to come up. I think he needs his guy and, you know, and it's not that it's a selfish thing. He's the quarterback. He's the, he's what powers that franchise. Uh, I, I was saying, yeah, they need a, they're going to have to rebuild some of this team, but it won't be painful. It won't be one of those. It wasn't like, like what the Dolphins did. The Dolphins completely tore down the roster to nothing to the studs. Like this will be a retool. You'll have different players. Uh, maybe 14 and 13 wins are not going to be in the cards for next year. But 10 and 11 might be, you know, and the playoffs definitely will be. But they need a retool. They need a new coach, and that coach has to be uh a Josh Allen's guy. It has to be a guy that completely agrees and has yeah, but here's the Josh problem. Allen's best interest. At I, and all.
4: I will say this. As we kind of move forward, there's one thing for you to remember. Ken Dorsey was Josh Allen's guy. <laughs> and that's where – this is where the danger lies in having – like. They they constantly make the correlation between Josh Allen and a golden retriever. They're like, he's just this big ball of energy who, he doesn't know what to, like, he, he's just, he's that. He's manic sometimes. What you need is a guy who can rein that in and make it work for you. You know, Mike Tyson's analogy about fire. Fire, if you can control it, it'll heat your house, it'll cook your food. If you don't control it, it'll burn your house down and kill you. We need a guy who can cook with Josh Allen. <laughs> and unfortunately, there wasn't one in the building. And we're seeing that now. And so we just got to hope that whoever comes next isn't just Josh's guy, but it's a guy who knows how to cook with Josh. And I mean, that's about the best we can hope for because you guys have found one in Miami. Now, you guys are going to have a ton of content over the next month and a half as we kind of head. I mean, it's it seems like the season didn't start that long ago, but we're already looking at the end going, our next matchup's coming up. In between now and there, where can people find all of your content?
1: Well, you can become a member of OnlyFans at onlyfans.gg forward slash OnlyFans. That's on Discord. Or you could listen to our stuff on Three Yards Per Carry. That's the number Three Yards Per Carry. Anywhere you get your your podcast, you Mm want to follow our our Twitter account. You can go on Twitter or X at the number Three Yards Per Carry and everything's posted there. So any, any of the, any of our content is going to be on there and you can just check it.
4: Guys, it's been a lot of fun, but we got to get out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. Thank you to all of our guests this evening. This has been your AFC's Roundup.
5: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance.